Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the team that still haven't shaken off that dreaded injury curse. I am Laurie Dunsire, uh, joined once again by the man uh, crunching a bag of crisps as he tends to when we record this podcast, Mark Donaldson. No, I'm done. I'm done. done. Salt and vinegar crisps are, yeah, out of respect to you, because we got on <laughs> handsomely and famously every week, um, like the married couple that we are, where we never bicker or never fight or never argue, and I never pick you up on various things, and neither do you do to me. How can you get an injury when you're not, when you're banned from training? Only hearts. Oh, wow, that's, I know. That's impressive, right? I know. Well, we, I mean, we can, we can get straight into that. Um, Horrible news for for John Souter just over the last few days um, as it emerged that he has um, ruptured his Achilles and it's the third time he's had an an injury of this type in the last four years. So he's already um, undergone surgery, but it will be, we hear, at least six months out and just just out running at Rickerton. And um, I mean, obviously, I mentioned the overall injury curse that still seems to hang over Tynecastle. I'm not sure who put that one on us. I'm not sure blame Ian Cathro or something after he got the boot, but someone someone has put a curse over Tynecastle. But John Souter especially, you've got to feel for him. He's still you know, such a young player and to have three injuries of, of that kind of, I guess that magnitude, it's, it's so hard for him. It's a mental thing as well. I mean, I saw his post on Instagram earlier today. It's just positivity. And I suppose it's, it's, it's easier to be positive if you're that age. If you've only had it once or even twice at a push and you've, you've recovered okay and it was just a thing. But for, for this to continually kind of happen, um, he needs good people around him, family, friends, advisors and, and whatever, just to, you can tell people that things are going to be all right, but, it just depends what he believes. But I think when you're that age, it might be a little bit easier for him to actually believe that things are going to be all right, rather than if it's a 30-year-old something that knows that one more of these and his career is probably done. Whereby, if he can get back to what we know he's capable of, because let, let's face it, if he hadn't have had the injury and he'd continued to perform at a high level, he probably wouldn't be at Hearts right now. Um, but it's all about it's all about a positive mental attitude now and and believing you're in the right hands you're going to get cared for correctly you're going to get the right rehab and if there is a positive from this it's that we I'm not saying we'll not need him where we are because that sounds blasé and blasé look where that got us last season it ended up getting us relegated whether it was blasé or or whatever it was but. If we can get him back in time, if it's before the, the end of this season, great. If it's in time for the start of, of next season, assuming everything goes according to plan and we're not delayed or, or anything like that due to a, a kind of another strain of, of COVID or whatever. Hypothetically, if the next season, um, with hearts hopefully back in the top flight starts in August 2021, that John Souter is available, ready, fit and fresh and ready to go. It's crazy to think. I mean, John Souter made his his senior debut in Scottish football seven and a half years ago. Um, has been at Hearts for for f- over four years now. Uh, was a Scotland international. Has had three caps. First capped a couple of years ago. He's had three 
of these um, really serious Achilles injuries, John Sewer is 23 years of age. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's crazy to think um, he's gone through all that, not just in, in terms of the injuries, but he does seem like he's been around for such a long time, and obviously he has. He just happened to make his debut when he was still just over the age of 16. But um, like you say, you, you know, could potentially have at least a decade left at a good level um, if, he yeah. can, if he can get back to... Obviously, if he can recover from this and and get back to his best. Well, the other thing is, without, without going into too much detail that I don't know about the specifics of, of each of the injuries, Yeah. when you've already been through something, you know how you got through it and you know how you got back to full fitness. So there is that kind of positive as well. There's no point in looking at negative, like, oh, my career and, and everything. Let's not, let's not go down that road because this isn't 1989, 1990 when – or in the early stages of the 90s when guys like Craig Levine did his ACL and or his cruciate um, and, 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 and ended up struggling to play again. Um, the mid-90s, that kind of injury was, was like, well, you're never going to be what you were. You can get back to full fitness now with the, the advances of, of modern technology, but psychologically, having been through it, uh, and knowing how he got through it, I think you can you can use that as a as a positive, as opposed to someone that's going through it for the first time and going, oh God, what? How long is this going to take? I don't know. So if it is a similar injury to any of the previous two, he'll know what to expect with this one. So good luck to the kid. Indeed, uh, best wishes with John Souter in his injury recovery. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things this week. Um, we'll talk about some of the latest news around Tynecastle. I say latest over the last week or so because we didn't get a chance to touch up on a couple of items last week because so much beef was flying around with uh, Rob Borthwick being on the show. Uh, so we'll go over some of the news that's happened um, in that time. And then we're going to get on to the worst decisions that you've seen in Hearts games. This is both for, but mainly uh, but mainly against Hearts got quite a bit of feedback on that one, so we're going to talk that. And uh, anything else that might pop up as the show goes on. Okay, so first up, let's get through some news, because I want to touch on a couple of items, but um, as I mentioned, we were having so much fun with uh, just basically bitching about stuff last week that we ran out of time. So first up, uh, just, I think it was around a week ago that we had this news, um, Andrew McKinley was appointed as the new chief executive at Tynecastle, a man formerly of the SFA and of Scottish Golf, uh, 16 years as a lawyer before moving to the SFA in 2012, where he was chief operating officer and then interim chief executive. He will be reporting directly to Anne Budge and he'll take overall responsibility for the club's day-to-day operations. Uh, quickly, I'll just grab one of the quotes from Anne Budge, who said, I will continue in my role as chairman because my work here is far from over. However, rather than continuing to juggle the, dem- the demands of day-to-day operations with the longer-term strategic planning decisions so essential for a future success, I will be focused on the latter. Uh, on McKinley... Um, as some of the news articles mentioned, he does have some links to Hearts. He's got Hearts in his blood. His uh, great-great-grandfather on his father's side was one of the original members of uh, Heart and Midlothian Football Club back in 1874. And McKinley himself says, um, 
He was actually one of the players when they won the Edinburgh FA Cup in 1878 after a 4-3 play, replay. I'm glad to say we beat Hibs 3-2 in that 4-3 play and he was one of the scorers. And just finally on his role, I'll take some quotes from... Andrew McKinley, he says, By and large, Anne will focus on more strategic projects to really help Hearts to the next level. I'll do more of the day-to-day things. I spent six years at the SFA and we dealt with a lot of interesting issues during my time there. I think it's fair to say you felt you were more of a firefighter than anything else as you went from one crisis to another. He goes on to say, I know how the SFA works. I know how the SBFL works. I know all the main people involved in those organisations. And I'd like to hope that's something I can bring to hearts, which will be helpful for us going forward. So, Mark, I'll I'll let you um, have your say on Andrew. But interesting to see, he's obviously endearing himself to Hearts fans very quickly by uh, mentioning mentioning he's got hearts in his blood, uh, mentioning beating Hibs, and also having a little dig at the SFA as well. (laughs) It's like someone told him what to say. Um, (laughs) Off to a good start. Businessman friend of mine in Scotland knows him, so I messaged him and said, what's he like? <clears throat> Quote, um, decent guy, safe pair of hands, but no club experience um, so far, I don't think. Um, I believe he's an accountant by profession. Don't expect any great creativity, uh, but if Anne is looking for a numbers guy, then he's as good as any. Not sure how he'll get on with the rawness of dealing with supporters group, etc. So I wrote back saying as an ex-SFA COO, knowing where the bodies are buried at Hamden, could that prove useful? <laughs> Straight to the point. You Leverage. Know yes. Quote, um, he'll not do anything against his old employers. Very straight guy. Good corporate appointment. But again, his lack of club experience will be a drawback. He's a decent guy and hopefully he does well. So that's what we have with regards to someone who knows Andrew pretty well. And I think that's fine because the level he's at, you know, I guess it's from a business point of view. You know, we're not talking about a guy who's going to be involved in football operations. It's no, um, exactly. it's the the day to day running of the club at a business level, but allowing Anne to look at the overall picture, as they both said, a kind of more strategic picture. So, I think it's good because, and I'm not going to speak for Anne, but I'm I'm sure she would admit herself that she's tried to, I guess, take on too many bits of the business and has maybe needed this level of support. Um, So obviously this is kind of looking at the business side of things and giving her support there. And then ultimately um, Jim Jeffries and potentially then a future successor or maybe longer term appointment will look at giving her more support in the football operations side. So it's kind of all coming together, I I think. And yeah, we, we... I don't necessarily think the fact he doesn't have working at a football club experience is going to be a huge drawback for um, for his role. Obviously, it would be nice, but um, he at least understands maybe working within sport. And as you say, it can't hurt if he if he knows has a few contacts. I don't expect he'll be going um, and trying to use anything anything uh, untoward in that sense. But if he knows people and he knows how to, I guess, get the best out of them or has a direct link to someone who can um, get him answers or or something that he needs, then that could be useful as well. Because a lot of these things, when you're at that level of business, it's about who you know, isn't it? Of course, of course. And you're asking us to analyse something that we don't know too much about. Uh, the bottom line, the way to sum this up, is quite simple. Anne Budge did her due diligence. Did, did That is not easy to say. Did her due diligence. <laughs> um, she did her interviews. And she's picked the person that she thinks is is the best person for the job. So that's good for me. 
Okay, and more, um, I suppose, direct footballing news. Uh, again, this was just before we recorded last week's show, but we didn't get a chance to get to it. But, um, and we're not going to go through every single bit of transfer news, but I thought this one was significant enough that we should mention it. Um, Uche Ikpiezu, uh moved from Hearts to Wickham Wanderers, the newly promoted championship side, uh, which I guess it's had mixed reactions. Um, I think people wished him well, but as to his overall contribution to Hearts, it seemed to, I guess, falter would be a kind way of of saying it. Um, I'm not surprised, and with all due respect to Jake Piazza, I'm not gutted by the fact he's departed. I I suppose I may be slightly surprised at the level he's he's going to be playing at, albeit at a, a team that don't usually play at the second tier level of English football. But if you want to play with a physical forward, um, and Wickham obviously have a certain Akin Fenwa who will still be there, then Uche offers that physique. And if you maybe can use him in the right way, maybe he'll be effective again. It just... It just never really worked for Hearts after that initial um, spell, kind of pre-injury when we were on top. He just never really found that again, did he? No, and I'm looking at his stats, Laurie, five goals in the, in the league um, over a, a kind of season and a half, two seasons. If, if that had been double digits each season, you'd be like, oh God, we're going to miss him because of the goals that he brought. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's another one. It's the Connor Washington, it's the Uche. It's like, fine, okay, we need to... We need to trim the wage bill. Um, we need to move players on. Which, it, it, fine, good luck to the guy. Um, what I do think is going to happen in the championship next season is there's there's going to be uh, team lineups um, submitted an hour or an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. And then central defenders are going to be like, ah, oh, I don't think I can play today. I know I'll be named in the starting lineup. But <laughs> Lots I of injuries in the warm-ups. <laughs> Gee whiz. I mean, the, I was messaging someone and, and he... he he was saying, he's saying that there's going to be um, there's going to be an agreement to take a broken nose before a game and, and be happy with that as as that's all you're going to get today when facing those two. Like, I mean, different styles. Um, remember Wimbledon in, in '88 were very direct. Route one um, when they won the FA Cup, um, they, they played some okay stuff, but but they were pretty Route one. Republic of Ireland under Jack Turner. Look, you you play the style that fits the players that you've got. If you're wanting mobility. If you want Ikpiezu and Akin Fenwa to run the channels, that ain't happening. So you play to their strengths. You don't sign a player if, that, if you're not prepared to use them. Is Uche being signed as as a backup to Akin Fenway? Will Akin Fenway, uh, Akin Fenway, sorry, be be the backup to, to Uche? Will they play two together, just the one? Who knows? That's that's for them now. And um, yeah, he 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 was one of those players, and I, I think you can tell. For, forget the goals for a second. I think you can. Hearts fans can sniff and smell out bullshit. And players that are just there for, for, for a wage. And we, there's no point in, in identifying them. We all kind of know and we have seen them over the years. Those that we feel have bought into the football club and, and those who, who haven't. Um, I think he bought into the football club. Um, it was certainly a step up from Cambridge United to move to Hearts. And, and I, ideally when he moved up, he saw Hearts as a stepping stone to, to a better league. Ultimately, that's where he's ended up. Um, in a better league, the, 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 the championship, um, having not performed as he would have liked due to injuries and, and various other things. So I, th- I think it's a win-win. Um, did we get the best of him? I don't think so. We never got the 13 goals that he scored for Cambridge before he joined us. 
Um, and it's a different style that we're going to play next season. And um, it's without Uche, so, so good luck to him down in, in Wickham. Oh, some brief technical issues there. Um, Mark got a, a little bit robotic, um, which which isn't your style. Um, so <laughs> I think we've we've had a quick mic change. So apologies, Mark was a little bit um, a little bit fuzzy there, but uh, I think I think you're good now. But you're you've been having some some issues with a yeti. <laughs> Exterminate. That's a Dalek. Exterminate. I know, I don't know the difference. <laughs> there must have been a Yeti over time in Doctor Who, surely, that, that encountered the Dalek and had a fight behind the bike shed. No? Did you ever watch Doctor Who? I did. I, I was gonna, when you were talking about Yeti, I was, was going to try and say, um, <laughs> just with you um, struggling with some words earlier, you were trying to say, abominable snowman. It's one of those. It's not easy. It, it never comes out right, does it? I'm surprised we, ha- we haven't mentioned the boy that's just signed for Celtic. He's a Yeti. Who's signed for Celtic? Oh, oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> Badoom Tish. That's quite good. Topical because <sighs> Celtic are just about to kick off against Ferenc Faros. Come on, son. I'm a dad. I'm allowed dad jokes. Well, yeah, but, you know, you scared Rob off in the end. He... <laughs> <laughs> He's changed his name. He's not even called Rob anymore. doesn't want to be. No, I'm not doing that again. If he ever calls, I'm busy. Right. Okay. So we we can hear you again. Um, so apologies uh, for uh, some slight interference with 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 Mark's mic. Um, but yes, Uche Ikpiezu, uh away, and yeah, he's one of those where at first we were. Uh, I was very pleased. I was impressed with with we, we saw him as a rough diamond. You know, we knew technically he wasn't the best, but we saw maybe what Craig Levine had seen in him, which is someone with uh, potential, and if he could add some. Um, add something to his technical ability, then because he has that physique, um, he could create a very dangerous player. And at first, you know, he was very effective, but very quickly defences figured him out. And when he came back from his injury, uh, gradually he became less and less effective and his lack of technical ability quickly (laughs) became a big issue. So uh, good luck to him. I I hope he does manage to kick on, but certainly not one that um, will be, uh, I think, overly distraught at uh, seeing the back of uh, quickly on um, the English Championship because this is one that's just coming out and it, I don't think it's confirmed but it's apparently likely to happen over the next few days and it's one of these things in football which sometimes it's like because a player is associated with a certain club they will have a period where they'll just keep getting decent moves Joel Pereira is apparently going to sign for Huddersfield Town on loan mm-hmm. and I mean, I know some players have bad spells at certain places, but I mean, he was awful. Mm. Like, possibly one of the worst goalkeepers I've ever seen at Hearts <laughs> in terms of the basics, which Craig Gordon talked about, getting the basics right, handling, saving things. Being a goalkeeper. Being a goalkeeper. Stopping things going behind you into the back of the net. Just, that can't be more than, well, he's a goalkeeper who plays for our Manchester United he, he must be alright well th- this is this is what's confusing I was going to say there's two types of people in life those that admit to whether it's a mistake or, or something that they've said and, and others that try and deflect and, and take absolutely um, nothing to do with something they may or may not have said I'll take you back to when he signed and I thought it would be a good signing yeah. based purely on what I had seen and commentated on now mm-hmm. he didn't play that often but he played in games like ICC 
um, the preseason tournament where the clubs come over here. And I'd commentated on him three or four times. And he'd been good in those games. Um, so I can only commentate on, on what I've seen personally from him. And I thought, yeah, that, that'll be a good signing. So, yeah, I got it wrong, clearly, because I, th- I thought he would be a good signing. But Hearts got it wrong. Everyone got it wrong because they thought it would be a good signing as well. What gets me is that he's still at Manchester United. So there's something there. You you don't play for Man United. And considering who he would be training with every day when he wasn't out on loan and David De Gea and Sergio Romero, I mean, you're not going to get two better. I mean, Dean Henderson's obviously come back from a loan spell at Sheffield United. So it's slightly baffling that for all um, his foibles that, that we saw last season, there must be something that, that made Manchester United want him to be on their books. I mean, David De Gea likes a likes a Joel Pereira moment, though, doesn't he? He's, well, no, I mean that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we shouldn't even be comparing um, the 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 two of those. No, I think the the best the best goalkeeper on their books is Dean Henderson. Um, I think going forward, certainly for, for for the future, but with with Pereira, you know what? He he could end up being Huddersfield's Player of the Year. But it's just it's it's weird, and, and I, I don't know how it works. It's one of those, and this is just this is just completely off the cuff I mean as you're talking about David De Gea who was at one point not too long ago regarded as the best keeper in the world by many um, and not that he's suddenly regarded as awful but he's very error prone especially at that level and I don't know if it's a thing with goalkeepers because there is very little room for error with a goalkeeper you know if you're a striker and you sky a couple of setters over the bar if you bury a few people forget about that very quickly um, goalkeepers, you know, you drop a couple of howlers, it won't really matter if you make a couple of decent saves in the same game. People will remember those howlers. And I guess others pop into my mind, um, you know, even Joe Hart. I mean, his fall from grace was fairly rapid. You know, he's not it's that imme- old. It's immediacy, isn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, he was, he was regarded as one of the best. Yeah. He, he was. But th- just going, going back through Hart's goalkeepers, right? We st- I'll give you a name. And there's, obviously, the, the names I'll give you, there, there's certain things that they're remembered for, like Tepi Moylanen. Well, getting beaten at his near post by Gary O'Connor um, late on. Um, different goalkeepers have, have, have different kind of connotations. Now, Henry Smith dropped the ball a couple of times in, in cup semifinals against Celtic or other games, but he he was the one, his longevity meant that we remember Henry as as a stalwart in goal for Hearts. Not the best goalkeeper we've ever had, but a good servant to the football club who had it not have worked. I mean, remember, he, he signed in the early 80s from, from Leeds United, had to wait initially to get his, his time in goal, but but was was a solid, if not spectacular, goalkeeper who at times, like that save from Tommy Coyne um, in the early 90s, could be spectacular. He's a goalkeeper, though. He's a human being. We all make mistakes. So... He doesn't go down. He, he's one of the stalwarts. Teppy Moylanen's one of the guys, you think? I mean, if I gave you someone like a Miles Hogarth, you're like, eh, just, nah, that there isn't probably a word. It's just a sound. And and guys like that. So in, in recent years, we've we've been very fortunate, and that's another issue for anyone coming in, and that's why I'm glad Craig's back. Um, we've had so many decent goalkeepers over the last couple of decades that anyone coming in has, has got such a high bar to reach. It's a very. It's a lot of it's due to mental strength, I think, in goals, isn't it? I think you know if you if you hit that kind of if you have some errors, a lot of it, a lot of it is about, I guess, regaining your confidence and um, I don't know belief, etc. Again, because it's one of those where they do seem to have 
they, some of them just seem to disappear and they're and they're just you know fans and such like are just waiting for another error and then players start just having pot shots because they think the goalkeepers lost confidence and um I mean because you you're talking about goalkeepers and you can pull Gio Zussi out as well because he made a hugely high profile error in a, a hugely high profile game um, but you know thankfully bounced back and it was you know almost poetic I suppose that. When Hearts won the cup, he was man of the match, wasn't he? Given on the, yep. I think on the day, wasn't he? He, he, he was. And speaking of mental things, remember Theo Snelders? Mm-hmm. Snelders at Ibrox. Um, the, the, the final game of the season, the winner takes all. Rangers win it, they win the title. I think Aberdeen avoid defeat and they won the title. And, and Snelders didn't even play, um, whether it was Butterflies or whatever it was. Michael Watt ended up in goal that day. Now, Snelders went on to actually play for Rangers, so maybe it was just. Maybe it was just one of those things. The the the, the occasion was was too much for him. But for for Gilles to bounce back, um, I think I think that says a lot about your mental fortitude of a guy who went through his legs in in the five one in the Scottish Cup final in ninety six, and um, I think that was one of his first seasons, if not his it was his first season because Jim brought him in and Jim took over in in the summer of ninety five to bounce back from that and unless well two two years later as it was, to, to do what he did. Um, you've got to know that. When you're a goalkeeper, my uncle was a goalkeeper, played for Dundee in a European Cup semi. Uh, sorry, European UEFA Cup semi, Fairs Cup as it was Fairs at the time. Cup. Yeah, but, but he played against Leeds and, and kept, a, kept a clean sheet in one of the legs and then lost a goal, I think, to Jack Charlton in the other leg. Um, but he's the same. He's like, if you make a mistake, that's it. They score. Striker makes a mistake, then midfielder or defender. But that, that's what a go- that's what a goalkeeper is, and some want to be a goalkeeper, and and the majority don't. They're a, they're a specialised breed. Crazy bunch, as as they often say. Yes. Okay, we shall move on uh, to a topic which. Uh, Mark put out there last week when we were talking about beef and um, grudges and such like and people were having a moan about officials at one point and it uh, brought the question up of uh, what are some of the worst decisions, uh, worst refereeing or worst uh, official decisions you've seen uh, given in Hearts games and that's both for or against Hearts although um, such is the way that people tend to remember the ones that go against you. Um, I think every football fan would be the same, to be fair. So we've had we've had a big response on this one. So let's get kicked off with with some of these. I'll start with an email actually we got from Craig Aitken, uh, who says probably not the worst in my memory, but most uh, I can recall will get mentioned by others. So I will go with uh, more of an obscure one uh, against Celtic at Tynecastle not too long ago. Can't remember the exact season. Um, it was a shot that crossed the line, uh, wasn't given, Celtic ran up the park and scored. Went on to beat us 4-0 that day. Um, he, he mentioned something else as well, uh, did Craig Aitken, but I'll quickly go on to this one because it's also mentioned by Andy Dixon, who talks about Elliot getting a goal, that would have been Stephen Elliott, um, not given against Celtic at Tynecastle. Um, and it got mentioned by one or two others as well. Now, I don't know if you remember this game, Mark. I think it was 2010, 2011. Um, and it's one of those where I watched this as a fan and I didn't, although I could see that it crossed the line, I didn't actually have the same outrage as quite a few did, um, purely because I remember it showed the angle the linesman had and there was so many players 
um, crowding around the area. I'm pretty sure the assistant had an obscured view of it, um, if I remember rightly. But I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to see it again because you're talking nine, ten years ago. But I remember actually saying I, I, when I saw the replay. I can see why he can't see it's over the line if he can't see it. And I'm sure there was a player blocking his view, which, um, which is which is a very reasonable view for viewpoint for me to take, especially given I wasn't sitting commentating. I was actually watching it probably after a few drinks. A lot depends on 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 a few things. One, the importance of the game. Two, just specific memories. Other people will have memories of certain things. You're like, yeah, I can't really remember that, and but it was something that you felt strongly about at the time. And and that's that's something that that has been messaged to us by by one or two, but a lot I think the main ones that have been messaged to us, which which we'll get to, um, the the bigger the match, the more likely it is you're going to remember such course, a high profile course, yeah. grievance. And it wasn't until I watched it back, I hadn't watched it for a while, but I watched back the the Hearts Dundee Dens Park final game of the season mm-hmm. in '86, um, the penalty call on Sandy Clark in the first half. And it was Colin Hendry who, to take you back and to link into last week's nonsense that we produced with, with Robert, Colin Hendry's first name is Edward. So there's another player who doesn't go by his first name who has had a, a spell in Scottish football. So Edward Colin Hendry um, committed a foul on, on Sandy Clark. Now, it's one of these you'll see in football these days where a player will say, but I won the ball, ref. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you've cemented the guy or fouled the guy first. It's like shoving someone out the way or punching them to the ground and then winning the ball and said, but I won the ball, ref. Yeah, but if there's a foul or an infringement beforehand, it's still a foul. So we've had a few messages um, about that one. And in fact, there was there was one in particular because Bill Crombie was the referee. Now, Bill's a well-known jambo. And he came out with a quote afterwards um i think it was actually in sandy clark's book and he said i've i've watched it um back and forward um and over the years and i'm i'm still not sure however we did have a tweet in from someone who bumped into him in luckies i believe kenny taylor blue jambo 1874 on twitter ref never gave that penalty because he didn't want to appear biased oh the irony that was kenny's original um, tweet, to which I responded with Bill's quote from Sandy's book. There was a penalty claim early on in the game for Hearts, but having looked at it again and again, I don't know. What I do know is that one of my sons, a staunch Hearts supporter, didn't speak to me for a year after that game, says Crombie. Kenny then says, I spoke to him often in Luckies, and he admitted he should have given it. So why why was he on? I mean, Sandy, Sandy, I think Sandy said he knew him. No, it was it was actually in the it was in the um, the program that I put out on Twitter. Um, that was the team that was a very good thing from from BBC who did a few different clubs, and it was one of the Hearts players that said that, that he knew him pretty well and he he doesn't understand why he was given that game. Um, we might have missed the penalty or whatever, but it's little things like that. That was probably the the decision out of all the ones that we we had people tweeting in with about decisions for and against Hearts. That was the one that had the the biggest kind of potential swing. Um, mm-hmm. Hearts either winning the league or or not winning. The, again, we might have lost it. Who who knows? But if we'd been given a penalty in the first half, that might have changed. Could things. have been a different story. Yeah, could have been. It was George Hobb who I think maybe one of the ones who'd first brought that up when he said that. 
he said the penalty claim at Den's 100% a pen. Yeah. And I looked at it again in video, I have to say, it, it, it looks a fairly clear-cut penalty when you when you look at it um, in the replay. But, Weird seeing Colin Hendry wear the number 11 when he's back. Oh, I didn't, I, I wasn't paying attention to who made the challenge when I looked at it, but that, yeah, that is... Oh, don't don't get me on don't get me on to players wearing numbers that don't make sense. You know, Bula Rouge, whatever his name was, wearing nine at centre back and just stupid Bula... things. Was that not his name? Did I make that one up? Um, for Algeria or something or what? Was that not his? No, the 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 chap who played for Chelsea about a decade ago. Oh, I know the guy you mean. Possibly uh... got his name completely wrong. It wasn't. I wasn't maybe paying attention to names as much. As yeah, I, you know, it's just traditional. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like seeing Rui Patricio in goal for Spurs uh, for for Wolves wearing eleven. Oh, the first it's one, ridiculous. But the the first one about this was the goalkeeper for Argentina, Ubaldo <laughs> Filol, in the World Cup in '78, wore the number five because they went alphabetically. So Norberto Alonso wore number one, a midfielder, um, and they went from A through to V. Ricardo Villa. Because um, I remember chatting to, to Mario Kempes, who's a colleague of mine at ESPN, about that. That's a decent name drop, isn't it? I've not done that for a while. That's a bit of a knobbish behaviour from me there. But <laughs> I'll, I'll take it because we get there. And because he had the number ten, and I just thought, well, Kempes, a striker, top goalscorer that season, wearing wearing ten. And then uh, I think I'd asked him about Fiol, and he'd, he'd said through a translator that, that it was because they went alphabetically. It just a goalkeeper wearing. A 12 or a 13 or a 22, that's kind of accepted now because of the squad listings. But there was a time where if a goalkeeper didn't wear one, you're like, that's that's rascal behaviour. Yeah, so I, I typed in I typed in Boularouz, uh, B-O-U-L-A-H-R-O-U-Z. And this is the second story. The first the first um, link is Khalid Boularouz's uh, Wikipedia page. And the second is why he wore number nine. But I laughed as you were talking there because on his Wikipedia also comes up. Uh, his nickname is The Cannibal. Oh. For his ability to eat up the opposition, apparently. Rubbish nickname. Rubbish um, nickname. Uh, yeah. Imagine being nicknamed The Cannibal. That's what you call a serial killer or something. Yes. Like. Khalid The Cannibal. Jesus. Anyway, um, there you go. It's usually you that goes off on a random tangent like that. Yeah, bring it, bring it back. Son. Bring, bring it, it back. back. Craig Aitken, um, where are we at? His email, his second one. Now, it's funny because his second one actually is one that does really annoy me, not just this specific decision, but these decisions generally. Uh, he says, uh, another one also very recently was against Wraith Rovers, and this was in the Betfred Cup. Berra's goal disallowed due to a Wraith defender running into his own keeper. That one still annoys me to this day, and I'll never forgive Don Robertson for it. I do like that that's, that stuck with him. That was a Betfred Cup game that I think we won on penalties we played at new bay view but it's one of these decisions and i remember i saw it clear as day in commentary um the wraith keeper and his defender collided into each other the ball dropped and better knocked it in and the referee saw keeper getting knocked over and gave a free kick it was his own play there's no hearts playing anywhere near <laughs> and it's one of these referees if, if they see a keeper drop the ball or you, they get a foul he just gets a foul it doesn't yeah. matter whether and it's sometimes it's not even that was so blatant because it wasn't even a Hearts player, but you sometimes see a player waiting for a ball or challenging for it, and the keeper comes rushing out, charges into that player, drops the ball, 
and apparently that's a foul on the goalkeeper. That's, mm. I, I always think, and it's, I know it's a bit of a cliche now, to be honest, but goalkeepers get far too much they protection. Do. They do. Every every week when we're doing this, I always think if something is said, oh, that I wonder if that's what he's going to call the title of, of this episode. We have quite literally gone from Kempes to Kirkcaldy. From Kempes to Kirkcaldy. We have. <laughs> and I kind of like that as a, as a title. I, I never get to choose it. I don't want to choose it because I, I, I like what and you And we had Khalid in the middle, so to call it KKK. Don't call it, please. <laughs> please. This will be our last ever ever, ever show. I'm happier with Kempes to Kirkcaldy rather than KKK. Jesus, man. What are you trying to do to us? Uh, not in these political uh, political times that we live in. No, well, it's all right for me. I'm, 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 I'm a fair distance away from um, that organization yeah, don't, don't know about you um anyway let's, I'm not saying in. let's move on yes Jeez. let's let's move on um so here we'll, we'll go with an email from Stuart uh, mcclellan and this will tie in with a lot of tweets as well um the story is the infamous andy davis match against uh. the original rangers uh, um and he says uh, i won't go into his full story but you mentioned when they got the penalty you'd feel his blood pressure going up and he was boiling and that's uh, a sentiment shared by many. Uh, Rambo Jambo says, that one which led to Miko being red carded and convinced me after 50 years that refs are bent. Um, pants shat on. <laughs> Always get that one. Um, says, the Andy Davis incident, although well covered already, is the only right answer. Some decisions are bad, but incompetent. This was corrupt. Never been angrier. The SFA will always have a finger in the scale for the old firm. Um, uh, it was also mentioned by Aquapam as well, and a few others. And I, I mentioned it last week because it's one of those where it's, um, and we can mention it again, even though we talked about it briefly with Rob, just a, a shocker because it's not even one where you felt there was a challenge there that you could make a bad decision on. There just, there just wasn't a challenge. It was just Kiriakos throwing himself into the box uh, near the ball. Um, and Lee Miller standing three or four yards away from him. It was um, probably the worst decision I'll ever see at a Hearts game. I can't, I can't imagine I see a worse one. So I, I, I was reading up on that game and I watched it again this morning. Um, I'm, I'm going to claim it was research, but <laughs> I, ju- I just want because it was interesting. You, you and Rob were talking last week about personal being sent off. I'd forgotten about that. I mean, I was commentating on the game, but yeah, it's just it was lost amidst. The mayhem. Yeah, because it's the of, same of, instant. Is it not actually? It's yes, before. It, it, it's exactly. It's exactly before so Miko, isn't it? Yeah. So it's what happens is the penalty is awarded. Perso tries to get the ball from Craig Gordon, throws him to the ground. Um, the is it before Miko? Um, I think it's just yeah, before so, because he hasn't Mik- given the penalty yeah, yes, yet. Exactly. It's all part of the same move. Miko then goes over to the assist because the referee goes over. Dallas goes over to to Andy Davis. Um, then awards the penalty. Then Miko goes to Andy Davis and and barges him, chest bumps him, and, and whatever. Um, after Perso had been sent off, because then Miko gets sent off. Then I mean, they still got the penalty to take, which Rickson then scores. So having watched that, uh, I, I tried to find more info because Andy Davis was a uh, I don't know what if, if he still is. He was a policeman in Glasgow who mm-hmm. part of his remit was the Govan beat. Um, he was asked in, in an interview. Um, I think it was a, there's a Scotsman interview uh, many years later, and, and he claimed that uh, he had never been a Rangers season ticket holder. Well, you don't have to be a season ticket holder to be a fan of the football club or whatever. But this is the one that got me in that 
he said, what people don't realize is I wanted the referee's attention not for the challenge when they were both in the air. Andy Davis is claiming, surprise, surprise, quote, oh, but the referee, uh, sorry, the television cameras didn't spot it. He is claiming there was a jersey tug by Lee Miller on Kiriakos before the pair of them went up for the header. I'm, I'm smelling shite. I'm calling BS straight on that. But that is his reasoning, according to an interview he subsequently gave, in that it wasn't for the challenge in the air between Miller, Lee Miller, and Kiriakos. It was because prior to that, inside the box, Lee Miller was tugging the jersey of Kiriakos, which coincidentally, the television cameras, despite it, I believe, being live on TV, did not pick up. Oh, very convenient. Um, well, you, you, you can... You can have a look at it again. Amaruso lets it run actually uh, replied to our tweet about worst decisions with a video of 15 um, bad decisions against Hearts. And we retweeted it so you can see that on our Twitter page at Around the Funnel. And that one was in on there. And yes, yeah, certainly looked as bad as I remembered when I watched it again. But if he's claiming that there's something there that no one else saw, then um, yeah, well... You, you fire on, Andy. Um, I, I don't think you'll be convincing the heart support anytime soon. Um, we also had uh, Aquapam had also mentioned um, Fisas being sent off against Celtic. Uh, I'll never get over that incorrect decision, how it affected that match. And in reality, it took the wind out of our sails for that whole season. Uh, Maroon Report said, Referee Ian Brines wrongly showing Fisas a straight red card for a foul on Celtic striker Sean Maloney. Sean Maloney when Hearts were leading 2-1 in a match, they eventually lost 3-2 in stoppage time. Um, which was a, a, another one that hurt, obviously, because of the way, I guess, the game got turned on its head. And I'm in the camp, uh, similarly to Robbie Nielsen, where I don't think we would have won the league that year, although you can never say for sure. But that is really when it it felt like it had got away from us. That was a big swing that day. That would have A win would have put it to one point. Defeat ended up putting it to seven points. That was a, a pivotal day in the title race that season. I'm actually watching this right now. I watched a little bit of it this morning, but I wanted to to, uh-huh. to watch it right now because I've I watched. The, there's just the goals which I've seen on YouTube, and I think you can always tell the importance of a game at Tynecastle by how much the visiting fans, if it's an away win, celebrate um, a victory or a goal or uh, more so a goal. When their third goal went in, absolute pandemonium. And 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 uh, is it is it Pam um, who messaged us? Uh, she, she's yeah. right. It just it 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 took the wind out of our sails. I, there are certain referees in certain periods, and I can't speak between 2010 and 2020 now because I've only seen them on Hearts TV or or live on TV or or whatever. Um, there are ones I'm not fans of, but Davy Syme was one of the first that I I, I didn't like. Uh, I always thought it was, especially if you got him for a game in Glasgow, Davy signed the Rutherglen official. But Ian Brines, Ian Brines was the, the Willie Collum before Willie Collum. And I didn't think he was very good, but I just didn't like the way he officiated. He, he was, he was I'm not saying they're, they're meant to have manners, but just the way he strutted around the part. I thought he was. Yeah, it causes very, very issues when they don't need to be, just the way he speaks to players and um, overly confrontational when, you know, we could maybe diffuse things. I think so. So I didn't like him. And Colm, when he started out, I mean, Colm's a weird one because his best performances were on the European stage. I know he's had a couple of howlers, but I've commentated on him a few where I've thought, where's that in Scotland? Um, 
But he, it's the whole system and the whole system of fast tracking Andrew Dallas. Who's Andrew Dallas? His dad's who? Ah, that makes sense. That that's a nonsense. It should be it should be a meritocracy. If you're good enough, then you get the, not because it's someone's your dad. I mean, it's like the bloody Republican National Congress convention right now, where everybody who's speaking has got a son named Trump. That's not. It should be the best people available, not because you're related to the person. So he was horrible. He's he's another one. From what I see on TV, I don't know if he's improved recently, Andrew Dallas, but I haven't I haven't seen him too many too many games. Bobby Madden had a game, by the way, at Easter Road, where I thought that's one of the best refereeing performances I've seen. Um, and then it was an Edinburgh derby, and I saw him the next time, and I thought, well, you've had a shocker, son. So just proving that they're human. And I don't believe. Uh, maybe this is naive to say. I I, I don't believe there's any skullduggery. There might have been way back when, um, but I, you, you just you can't get away with that these days. I don't like the whole corruption talk, however. That that's for purely maroon tinted or any whatever team you support. You're you're going to believe that everyone's against you if you get a decision against you. But the corruption thing of, of, of recent years, I, I just can't get it. There cannot be anything in that. What it might look like there should be. I mean, we're not going back to like Dundee United Roma in 1984 in the second leg, where there was all sorts of nonsense going on. Mm-hmm. But come on, we we can't seriously make that accusation of of corruption in modern day football. We're 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 way beyond that. It might look dodgy, but come on, surely? Or is that ju- or is that just me? I, I I don't believe that there's. I don't, if we're talking corruption in terms of people getting paid by certain elements uh, yeah there's no chance of that whether there's referees who don't like certain clubs and can't uh, and maybe can't see past that even if it might be subconscious and it's not deliberate or they don't feel it is uh, that could be that that's a harder one to to say yes or no about um but yeah there's been bad decisions and we'll We'll go through some more because that opens up a whole can of worms if we keep going down that line of um, talk. Yeah, it's dangerous. Our lawyers, our, our lawyers aren't even in place because we don't have any. We don't want to have to need to get some. We've got that. We've got, we've got that guy who was telling us all about arbitration and stuff. I maybe give him a tweet if things get dicey. <laughs> they get dicey. They're coming from your side. I'm having nothing to do with it. Well, that. yeah, you're not even the same continent, so you'll probably be okay. Um, I've just watched the Fisas thing again, and it gets even worse with every look. I mean, it's a. It's, it's it's a clear a clear challenge on the ball. But Takas was such a nice lad. Off he went. He just he looked at the car. He's like, oh well, shook his shoulders and off. He, Robbie Nielsen came in. Stephen Presley, Craig Gordon. Jesus went absolutely nuts. Takas was just like, eh, okay, fine. Too nice. He knows the referee got it wrong. But yeah, and then nice. then the Not- yellows came out for Robbie and and whatever. What a bad ball that was. Here's another one, and this one we can probably laugh about because it was a game we won 3-0. This was very recently. Um, Will Stevenson mentioned this, so did Tommy1874. Uh, Will says, Mallory Martin being cautioned despite Motherwell's Louis Malt being tripped by his teammate. Um, and uh, when <laughs> Tommy1874 said, when the Motherwell boy tackled his own player and Martin got booked for it. That was great because Martin was running not making a challenge, just running near them, um, tripped of his own player, and the referee ran over and booked uh, Mallory Martin. Um, that that that's I guess that's when it's extremely worrying. Well, referees... maybe maybe if he'd sent him straight off, and then oh, by the way, the the, the Fisas thing was one of the first to be rescinded. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I sent, remember that, yeah. If he'd sent Mallory Martin off and then Hearts appealed that the suspension wasn't long enough, uh, never mind they wanted a cut, but if Martin had been sent off, Hearts then appealed that they wanted a a suspension for the rest of his contract and he had to leave and they didn't have to pay him, that might have been a little bit better. What a disappointment he was. We never do know. It's like it's like same as Joel Pereira. It's, it's easy to find examples of him being all right when he was at Man United. Someone saw something in Mallory Martin that they believed would would be an asset to Hearts in Scotland, but oh, he's great at set pieces. Mm, was he, though? You've got to... Um, I'm just looking at it. I'm going to send you the link... We're, we're, we're doing this live because I just had to watch it again because it's actually very entertaining. Um, even if you look at it in just real time, the referee's got a great view and the Motherwell player falls over his own player and the referee's only about four or five yards away at most. <laughs> it's actually, you've got to look up, you can just look up um, Mallory Martin, yellow card, Motherwell, and you'll get it on YouTube. Um, it's it's actually a cracker. Like it, it, Obviously, if this was... Um, Nil nil in a in a cup final or something, and we lost. We'd probably not be able to laugh about it as much. But um, it's one of those. It's actually a good one. We can we can laugh about that one now in hindsight. Um, what else we got? Uh, here's Billy Steedman. This is uh, before my time. I don't know if you remember this. He says, "Was it Kevin O'Donnell who played about seven or eight minutes injury time against Celtic mid to late eighties in the days of only two subs?" We won one nil. Mercer fired off a letter to the GFA, and he was struck <laughs> off. Question mark. I don't. It's not a story that I remember. But are we going with late eighties? Any any more specifics? Because it's easy. It's easy yeah, to game find won, out. One nil, mid to late eighties. Um, I'm thinking, was it not a? Was there a Scott Crab winner there around that time when we won one nil? So maybe mid, we can't have won at Celtic Park that much around then, do we? Was it Celtic Park or was it Tynecastle? He said Celtic Park. At Celtic Park, we lost one 0 when O'Donnell was the referee in uh, in August '87. That I think that was the first game of of the season. Um, that was the only game that O'Donnell took charge of um, involving Celtic and Hearts. Okay. Um, I mean, there's there's a few that we won one 0 Kenny Hope was the referee for a couple of them, but there's something about Kevin O'Donnell that I remember connected with hearts, um, but that that's about as far as it, I, I need to do more research regarding that. But was it to do with hearts? It was, I know the name, and obviously he's taken charge of many games. And it was maybe I'll that have... it was maybe something else. And he's and um, it's been a while. So I'm just yeah, I'm doing the same. I'm scanning through, and I can only see that one nil defeat where uh-huh. he's where he's refereed. Um, just trying to have a scan through. So yeah, you mentioned the one nil defeat. Lots. Oh, here, of... here's here's some former SPL referee at Orange Lodge dinner, and that ended up in the papers. Maybe, maybe that was what it was. Um, now here here it is. It's part of the Celtic Wikipedia. Um, it was that game. Um, okay. So Hearts, lo- Hearts lost one nil. It was okay. the first game of the season in 1987. Celtic won Hearts nil, Celtic Park. Referee Kevin O'Donnell from Airdrie was demoted after Hearts complained about his performance, especially with regard to a penalty claim after Anton Rogan had fouled John Robertson. In later years, 
Kevin O'Donnell was to complain bitterly over the way he was treated. There you go. Okay, so there was some, there was an element of truth, but it wasn't to do with the added time. But um, that's interesting. Interesting that it went. I wonder, I wonder if Amoruso lets the run is able again. He's got so much on his thing. I wonder if Celtic Hearts is part of of that back catalogue. And assuming that that because it was the first game of the season, it's likely to be on Scott Sport or Sports Scene. So I'm sure there there might be footage available. It might even be on YouTube just now to actually have a look at that Anton Rogan challenge on John Robertson, because if it was to the extent that it was pretty clear it should have been a penalty, because um, Hearts cl- complained so vociferously that the referee was demoted, then it must have been a, a pretty uh, a pretty clear-cut thing. Um, I'd we'll like to see to, that again. Yeah, we'll have to message him about that one. What was the what was the date again? I'll just note it. 12th of, 12th of August, 1987. Celtic won. Hearts, nil. I will message. Celtic Wikipedia. Oh, message. Um, what else we got? Uh, we Billy Steedman also says, I also remember the hand of Rob after the wee man scored against Motherwell in 1994 with a little raised hand emoji. So that must be a, a, a Maradona moment, was it? for? Yeah, there's another one of which I, I can't recall off the top of my head um, that people remember certain things that other people don't. Um Rob was, Rob was not going to admit to it. It's like it's like asking Joe Jordan if he handled the ball um, in the box all those years ago. Was that the the one where Scotland got a penalty? I think it was at Anfield against Wales. Yeah. Uh, for the nineteen seventy eight World Cup, the playoff in seventy seven, and to this day, by all accounts, he doesn't uh, he doesn't confirm nor deny what, what actually <laughs> happened. Well, if you won't confirm or deny, that usually means <laughs> you got something to hide. <clears throat> Will Stevenson says Jerry Evans sending off four Hearts players against Rangers yeah. at Ibrox in '96. Even the Rangers players were protesting with the referee near the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that game. Um, Chris Robinson made a bit of an arse of himself in that because he thought the fourth sending off should mean a, ah, yes. um, a, 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 a like a suspension of the it's game. The fifth, um, it? But it's it's the fifth. You can play with seven, but not. Not with sixth, and that—that's that, the it's folklore now, isn't it? Because the next again game was was Celtic in midweek. Yeah. We signed Andy Thorne um, on a short term deal. Got Gary Naismith, yeah. man of the match. We we won by a, a goal to nil. So, um, yeah, I mean, did, I think Richard Goff might have played in that game, and I'm sure I, I read something about him. Um, just they were as baffled as anybody else, and I think it might be an opportunity for for any team who's up against seven to just kick on and score as many as you want. But I think. I think I'm right in saying that he'd said, "Like, let's just let's let's take our foot off the pedal here, because this could get embarrassing." I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's true, but yeah, I mean, Jerry Evans, Paul Ritchie, I think was one of them. Um, not someone got sent off for kicking a post. Oh God, I, I can barely remember. We'll have to get Paul Ritchie on sometime and ask him about it. Actually. Yes, I'm sure he's over here now. He's over <laughs> in um, living the life down in San Diego, over on the other coast, enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed, and I believe life. I believe he I believe he listens to the show, and I think he, he even does. puts himself through Hearts TV sometimes as well. Um, as, as he should, as we all should. As he should, of course, um, because you've got no other option sometimes to watch Hearts games. Yeah, de- devi- deviating a, a little bit, but but from an information requirement perspective, um, with regards to you and to Hearts TV, and you weren't expecting this. I've just thought of this. I just want some info. As it stands, what's this? The twenty sixth of August. Um, are we still looking at um, 
games being broadcast, all games being broadcast at Tynecastle, are they only for those of us outside the UK, or is there what, what what's the deal and away games as well? What, what's the update you can bring us? My understand nothing is concrete and set in stone, but my understanding from speaking to people at the club is that um, the plans would be when football comes back that games at Tynecastle will be as you would normally get them on international and also on Hearts TV for um, for UK viewers like the Premiership clubs are doing just now. Whether so you have the, to have a season ticket for that or how, how is that going to work? I don't know if they've decided the, the kind of um, commercial side of it in terms of okay. if you have to subscribe or if you can do the pay-per-view type of idea that the clubs are doing in the top flight. But they're pretty certain that we, we, we will be able to broadcast to the UK even if for instance it was part filled stadiums because uh, their understanding would be until fans are allowed back in their entirety we'll be able to broadcast in the UK so we'll be able to and we certainly will do that in uh, for home games um, and for away games that are on um, TV so <clears throat> we won't get away games if it's just a bog standard 3 o'clock weekend one because it's just down to um, it's down to technical side of it and actually being able to set up and and do your own thing unless you've got a mobile broadcasting unit like Silicon Rangers have. Uh, none of the other clubs in Scotland can really afford to to do it away from home um, when it's not their own facilities. Mm-hmm. But we're also anticipating quite a few live Friday evening games for Hearts, and obviously if it's live on the BBC on a Friday. Um, obviously it won't matter for UK subscribers because they'll get it on the BBC anyway but for some people who maybe can't access that and they're outside of the UK they'll be able to then get it on Hearts TV um, International uh, or in the UK one if if that's the way it's going as well Um, what was I going to say not like me to throw you off of course or anything that was was a public service announcement (laughs) indeed the away games and I'd seen this come up a few times before um, how many times can um, can you be shown on those live Friday and my understanding again from speaking to people is there's no limit on clubs It's, it's just similar to the top flight they'd only go to stadiums a certain amount of time so I I would make a guess that they would treat us similar to what the TV companies do in the top flight, which is, yes. uh, fair enough, you only see stadiums a certain amount of times, but surprise, surprise, you tend to see um, certain clubs in those stadiums. So when you see Rangers away to everyone and Celtic away to everyone, you'll possibly, possibly see Hearts away to everyone in the championship. So I think there'll be a lot of live games and it's all, it's all still to be decided. And I don't know, I don't have any clue what the club will do from a commercial commercial side in terms of what the package will look like and, and what you're going to pay and what subscriptions will be. But um, there'll be plenty of, there'll be plenty of live football um, for people to watch both uh, in the UK and abroad when we get back. There you go. No, um, you were saying, we were saying, what were we talking about? What were we I talking don't know. about? Oh, oh you off course. here's a belter. Um, oh, okay. Another one where I can kind of laugh about it because I don't think it had a, a huge effect in the grand scheme of things. Uh, mentioned by Thierry and also also by Aaron Fraser. Um, Jamie Hamill uh, getting a ball in the face and getting a penalty against them. This was up in this was up in Inverness in the season we got relegated. The the administration season. Um, 
and I was behind the goal. And it was funny. <laughs> it kind of summed things up that game. I think we got, I think we got beat 2-0. And Jamie Hamill took uh, a shot, walloped him right in the face. You could hear it. It sounded really sore. You could hear that proper slap as it whacked him in the chops. Um, and he got, and as he got up, slightly dazed, um, he got a penalty given against him. I, I think he might have actually got sent off as well. Um, that was, and that was an absolute shocker of a decision. Um, I'm just, I want to see. Yeah, yeah, he got sent off as well. He got overturned. So penalty against goal for Inverness, red card, <laughs> ball in the face. Oh, poor Jamie Hamill. I don't know if you remember that one. You maybe blocked a lot of that season um, from your memory. Yeah, I mean that that wouldn't have been live on TV. So I, no, that was the no. kind of season I would have watched highlights on because uh, it, it wasn't even live on Hearts TV if you were behind the goal, unless you were shouting into the microphone from from way over, or it was even before you did. Was that before you did stuff? Just before, yeah. Uh, it was a few months before I did my first game. That was. Uh, because we're in administration that season, and we're get, we're getting into boring Hearts TV uh, info here, <laughs> they didn't have anyone permanent. I think uh, they were cycling between a few people. Um, there often often wasn't any money, so they were struggling to get people. So I don't know who would have covered it that game, um, but that's the reason I ended up invo- I ended up getting involved was because we played County Ross County a f- couple of months after that, and. I remember logging into my Hearts TV to try and get coverage, and there was no coverage. Um, and I think I remember I emailed Paul Kiddy at the time and went, why is there no coverage today? If you need a commentator, I'll give it a shot. And he emailed back saying, okay, you want to do next weekend? So the, there, that is a prime example to anyone wanting to get into any business, thinking um, I'm probably not going to do it, I'll not bother getting in touch. You never know. You know what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get a no back. Well, fine, that's probably likely. But on, on one instance that you do get a yes back, it can change. It can change your life, Laurie Dunsire. Indeed, indeed. Um, and it's been it's been fun ever since. Ever since ever since November 2013, when I commentated alongside Dale Carrick and Adam King at oh Petodre at we won three one. That must so. be one of our last wins up there. Um. Uh, yeah, we've won there on a pointless Thursday evening game, which was live oh, on BT. Was, was it not? Ab- yeah, Abiola yeah. Dauda scored um, after. Where's he now? Oh, I've absolutely no idea. Um, you can find that out as I go on to the next one. Um, what else have we got? Um, <laughs> John McKellar mentioned. Here's one that went for us because we've maybe not had enough of those. Um, Griffiths free kick goal against us being disallowed. Shambolic refereeing. Hilarious though, and I, I mean that was that was ridiculous. I mean the the Ollie Shaw ones got mentioned as well, and that was that was a bad decision. But the Griffiths one was ridiculous. I mean you could see in real time watching it from a distance, it was miles over the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of these you don't even you don't even need a second look at times. I mean that, that was that was clear. We've had a few Ollie Shaw. We mentioned that last week. His header at Tyne Castle went over the line, and um, I remember I remember the Griffiths one. Um, there were stills going about after that on social media where the the goal line had been removed, <laughs> yeah. not removed, and kind of um, there was a, a makeshift line where it was drawn so that it went round the ball to make sure ah, it didn't cross. Like they did with the Lampard one against Germany. Yes. Did, yeah. Yeah, um, our our pal Dauda is at uh, Panetolikos. Oh, in Greece, okay. 
Yeah, so they're top flight, are they not? I think so. It's it's bizarre because the first thing it says was Dowda has vertical scars under each of his eyes, which are family markings given to him shortly after birth. He's one of 11 siblings in his family. Wonderful news. Great. I want to know where he is right now. Um, but he's got that and and the cannibal. We're getting some weird trivia today. Oh my goodness. So he's he did all right in the clubs he was at, and they were all right clubs. Red Star Belgrade. He moved there from Kalmar. That he got 34 goals. It says he got five goals in 15 appearances at Hearts. Now that's obviously starting and off the bench. Is that right? He he didn't actually have that bad a goal record, and um, you know compared to some we've seen, he wasn't good, but we've had worse. Yeah, I mean, what did he score? Two at Ross County that got him off and running shortly after he'd scored. He scored one against Celtic. Did he? Yeah, thank you. So we got beat, I think three one, but he scored. Just it's names from the past. You're like, oh yeah. But then he went to the Greek, the top flight in Greece, uh, in Greece with the Tromitos, um, AEL. I think they're Limassol, I believe. So he's uh, Larissa, sorry. Um, so he's played at decent clubs, and and now he's gone to to another Greek club, um, Abiola Dauda. Yeah, blast weird. from the past. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't he just Celtic are losing, by the way. They are. Yes. I spotted that. Um, Perth to Paisley said Mark mentioned the Gadetti dive at Tynecastle oh, against ooh. Celtic, and that's the one at the forefront of my mind. Disgusting decision, and that gets mentioned a few times, and that was a ridiculous one. I think it makes it even worse when you see the still that often gets banded about, where Gadetti is doing. He is almost doing a, a dive. He's got his hands out in front of him. Looks like he's maybe just about to start a, a couple of lengths at the swimming pool. Um, and I think it's Brad Mackay who's nowhere near him. It was, yeah, it was Brad Mackay. So the, there's a misconception among a lot of people. Oh, but there was no contact. It's like saying, I won the ball, having committed GBH just before that, before you actually win the ball. The whole contact thing, um, by the letter of the law, there doesn't have to be contact. It's more impeding. And having watched that FISAS one back... There's an interesting angle, which makes you think... I wondered where you were going to go. I thought that's where you were going to go with this, because I've seen, yeah, some, I've seen some, some Hearts fans tell me they believe it now was a foul when they've looked at it again. Um, well, see, I've, I've watched it back, right? I, don't, I can't see. The, I don't the think last is, replay but, in particular, but, I can't see any contact on the ball. However, there is also an element of a free kick can be awarded without contact, but the person who is the recipient of the challenge or, or non-challenge, if they're if he's deemed or she is deemed to make the most of that, then it can be given the other way as, as simulation. So that that's an interesting one because everyone's got it in their head. And this is another thing about kind of life and modern society. Once you've got it in your head that your mind's made up, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the tale again of, of, of Stevie Nicol in the World Cup for Scotland against Uruguay. Um, he hadn't watched that back until I watched it with him when we were doing the book because I needed a key part of the book. That miss against Uruguay in, in 86, that if you watch it again, you'll see Ian St. John, um, another former Liverpool player who was doing it for ITV at the time, goes, bloody nickel, how did he not score that? So Stevie's <laughs> of the Im 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 impression that it was an open goal from a yard out and he, he, somehow, he somehow missed it. But we watched it again and, look, he should have scored. And I wasn't having him put in the book saying, oh, it was a really good save by the goalkeeper. Um, but it's one of these, your your mind plays tricks on you. And that if, you, if you're adamant that something has happened and something has taken place this way, and you don't check up on it if there is footage or whatever, that's, that's the way it is. 
you jump on the bandwagon, you become sheep, and people say, oh, that FISA, oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you? Yes, in a way, you probably do. Um, I'd, looking back on it, do I think it's a red card? No, I don't think it's a red card. I think I think you can tell by the reaction of players as well. But until you actually go back and look over something, it's sometimes difficult to to change your mind on something because for so long, Stevie changed his mind. He goes, I didn't realise it was that far out. I should have scored, but it wasn't a bad bad save by the goalkeeper. I just didn't hit it hard enough. But for 25, in fact, what longer than that, for 30 years, he was under the impression it was only from a yard out. And he was involved in the game. So your mind can play tricks on you. But I didn't think, looking back, even although there is there is no intent, um, sorry, the, the Takis Fisas has, has made the challenge. The one angle makes it look like, wait a minute here. But I, I don't think that's a red card. I think he's he's harshly done by. But make make your own mind up. Go and watch it yourself, and and see what you think. It's it's one of those things where um, there doesn't have to be contact for it to be a foul, and contact also doesn't automatically mean it's a foul. Correct. Two exactly. of the things that annoy me. The other side of it is when you slow something down, and they 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 freeze frame it, freeze frame it until they see. Oh, look at that! His boot brushed exactly. him right there. It's a contact sport. It has to be the contact has to be impeding him or forced him down. Just just because you're touched by someone, also doesn't make it a foul. Um, it could make it a foul, but it doesn't have to categorically. So we'll go on from that again. Because I'm sure it's going to come up again at some point in the near future when we're watching football and we see decisions given. Uh, let me quickly just go through some more. We had this one came up more than once as well. Um, Slavering pleb says Barry Ferguson bringing it down with his hand before scoring in the League Cup semi-final. That one um, irked a few people. Uh, we've had um, Zalukas, this is Aaron Hill, says Zalukas getting sent off uh, for being on the receiving end of a Xander Diamond headbutt. Um, Zal loved a red card at Pataudry. Remember, he, he battered mm. the door, didn't he, as well, one, one time yep. there as well, which was, which was, which was good to see. Um, Remember Michael Stewart going up the tunnel at Hamilton and falling? Falling on his backside. That was entertaining, even as a Hearts fan. Uh, here's one that um, I think you saw as well, which is crazy. This is in the championship season last time around. Uh, Jason uh, Talbot not getting sent off for the head-high assault on Sam Nicholson. That I saw a still of that. Oh. Kung Fu. Um, I think he. I think did he not get a ban retrospect? He did. He did. But the fact it wasn't given at the time because it looked. It was one of those when it happened and you were like actual a sharp intake of breath. I think. Oh God! I hope. I hope Sam's all right because that could have. That could have caused like could have some serious them. damage. Ah. I don't want. I don't want headless people from Pennycook going around. Can't be having that. <laughs> no, they're legless enough. Um, what we got here? Rab Bright. We'll finish with this one. Rab Bright says. Um, Anyone mentioned Darren Randolph's assault on Callum Patterson? Stonewall penalty, straight red, play on. And that also ties in with, I think someone else said, um, DS said, Alan McGregor getting away with an assault on Callum Elliott. And this is one I'm not going to pick on, maybe one of the keepers, although Callum McGregor loves doing it. He's terrible reputation for it. Goalkeepers who come out and feel that they can just um, stick legs and knees out into players and that that's their yeah. right to do so. There's a few keepers that um, seem to feel that they're, they should be allowed to do that. Imagine a centre-back doing that. It's an immediate punishment, isn't yeah. it? It's a free kick or a yellow card. But the goalkeepers that, that they come out, all that's missing is like a Hong Kong fooey, hi-ya, as they come out with their knee into the... 
the the back into the coccyx of the striker. There you go. There's there's good use of the the anatomy of the human body in the word coccyx. The small of your back, the coccyx area. There you go. Did you know about that? I did, um, but it's always yeah. good to 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 jog the <laughs> memory not, and, and not, not really. It's no. a waste of time. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Tumbleweed. Okay, I think I think that's that's brought us to the end of um, the worst decisions. And thank you to everyone for getting in touch and uh, giving us your your thoughts and reliving some of these um, memories. Maybe even if you didn't want to relive most of them, uh, given the majority were bad decisions against Hearts. But that's the way football fans are. You remember the bad ones, but we know there'll be uh, some that went for us as well. Um, this week. Uh, I'm not going to put homework over to you, Mark, because uh, we want to put a little bit of a competition out there. Oh. Uh, Anthony Brown, um, uh, I should say Tony Brown, giving him his, giving his full name, uh, who was recently on the show, um, has written a, a book titled Reminiscing with Legends. You can listen back to episode 92 of the podcast for our chat with uh, Anthony, and he goes through that. Um, it tells the story of the memorable Hearts Cup win in 1998, what led to that, and it has contributions from players and coaching staff, and it is going to be released in November. On the 4th of November at the moment is the release date. So Anthony has very kindly uh, offered uh, us a, a signed copy of the book that we can give as a competition prize. So we're to make this interesting, we're not going to make it just a simple question. We're going to look for some creative answers. So a bit, a bit of creative homework for you. Um, so what we would like is for you to pitch us a Hearts book idea. So a title, a tagline, uh, maybe a few words to describe what the book would be about if it's not immediately obvious. And potentially an optional thing, who would write the the foreword for the book. Um, Gilles Rousset has written the foreword for Tony's book, and yours was by a certain Presley, wasn't it? Yes, Mr. Stephen which Presley I, did yours I, I, for for Believe, which you haven't you haven't plugged that for a while, so no, because you can't. I mean, you can't even buy it in bargain bins anymore for one pence. Refused <laughs> to to stop. Uh, to, to, to do tables and, and to prop them up. But Presley was an interesting one because I, I spoke earlier about if you don't ask, you don't get. Most of the time, you're not going to get. But the, the kind of relationship I had with him at the time, I thought, I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll ask and, and see. And I didn't think he'd be anywhere near as candid as he was because he had a go at Romanov in the forward. And he had no problem doing that. He, he saw it as a platform to... How did that work out for him? <laughs> Well, exactly. I mean, we saw what happened with the record in three, but he'll not be told what to do. He's his own man, and I admire oh, yeah. that about yeah. him. Um, and that, that, that's stick to your guns. And and he not only did he say yes, but he it was a, it's a strong forward from the captain of the football club to give the owner absolute pelters. Um, yeah. It, again, it, it was it was something which I was pretty pleased that that he did. Um, I think it's. I mean, I'm looking forward to reading um, Anthony's book and yeah, Gilles' yeah. forward as well, because we spoke about Gilles earlier in this 
in this episode about going from someone who was rock bottom um, with the mistake in the cup final and, and perseverance. What are life lessons in today's show, Laurie Dunsand, Indeed. don't you think? Yes, I, I, I think so. Um, coming back from um, from something like that. I, yeah, so you can you can give us an idea, which you know, feel free to go with um, serious idea, which could work. Feel free to be go with something fun. Uh, go for the comedy element. We're just looking for um, your ideas on this, and we'll kind of pick the best one, and the winner will get a signed copy um, of Tony's book. So thank you very much uh, for doing that, Tony. Um, so yeah, your heart's book idea, a title, a tagline, a few words to describe it. You know, if you need to, if it's not immediately obvious, and optional, who would write the the foreword for it? Um, you don't have to, but you, you can add that in. Abiola Dowda. <laughs> there you go. You can um, Andy Davis. You can <laughs> you can Bill tweet. Yeah, oh Jesus! Yeah, you could. You, well, this is a refereeing book, isn't it? <laughs> you can tweet <laughs> at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Uh, you can follow uh, Tony on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Anthony A Brown, and that's Anthony A N T H O N Y. Um, you can, if you just want to order the book that you don't want to bother entering the competition or you just want to make sure you get a copy anyway, you can do so via legends98.bigcartel.com. And that's out in November and we're all looking forward to reading it. So yeah, give us your answers and we'll pick the winner next week. Um, and I don't know if there's anything else we need to go through, Mark. I, I think that's maybe rounded things off nicely. Yeah, thank you for giving me a week off from setting homework. I think the last two have been very successful with the responses we've had. Indeed, it's a, it's amazing how many responses you get when people just get the opportunity to to have a bitch and a moan about <laughs> yes. um, refereeing decisions <laughs> or about the governing body or or just about teams and players they don't like. Um, there you go. That's, that's football for you. And um, we're hoping that in maybe oh, it's only what five or six weeks away now, we might be able to have a bitch and a moan about an actual new or, or a live mm. game or something recent this, this this reminds this reminds me what we're doing of, of our our baseball show and bt sport caps off where we started it because we're contracted to do that for bt sport we started it in in march year two without any action um now we've got action back but this podcast has been pretty similar in that um, we're not contractually obliged or anything like that. We don't make money out of this. We just enjoy doing it. Um, but we've had no football to, to talk about. But there's always something else, isn't there? There's always plenty to, to talk about in, in Scottish football, especially with Hearts over the last few months. And I don't know. I don't think I'd have it any other way. I'd like to think that it wasn't always all the negatives and whatever. And there was a lot more positives that we could have um, and not the way that we perceived that we've been treated. Um, by others but there's always something to talk about and i can't wait now the countdown's well and truly on to the beginning of october what is it less than than six weeks away the boys are back in training always good to see the shots on the hearts instagram and and social media accounts of of the boys back at training and i just hope they they um i, I don't like holding a grudge in life but i hope they do because i think they've been unfairly mm. treated and uh, and i'd like to see them come absolutely flying out the blocks and, and try and destroy everyone that they, they, they play. Um, and even if they don't feel like they've been hard done by that particular opponent, um, I'm already I'm already fired up for the new season and there's still plenty of time to go before that. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue. Next couple of weeks is going to be interesting because um, 
I'm heading down to New York for the US Open, and I'm sure we'll try our best to to get um, to get a time slot in because I don't want I don't want to do ninety odd, ninety five, ninety six, and then not get to a hundred un, unbeaten. I don't want you to have that record, so I'm sure we'll find a way, <laughs> even if it means I'm up in the middle of the night to to accommodate your your schedule. Indeed, it's been a, it's been a crazy few months. It's episode seventy two, March the twelfth. Um, we discussed the one-one draw with Motherwell and the <laughs> defeat to St Mirren. Um, we're now on wow. uh, episode ninety-six, um, and it's five and a half months on. Um, so we've we've somehow managed to keep things going without a, without a ball being kicked. But hopefully we will see a few balls being kicked. Uh, oh dear, that could be construed the wrong way. Um, very soon. Um, and until next time. Uh, thanks for tuning in.